Hey there, folks. Just Worthy Fat Kev Smith. Before we start casting the pods, man, let me try to sell you something first, okay? Do you like me? Do you like my friends Jason Muse, uh, Ralph Garman? Then guess what? We're coming to a town near you, man. Halifax, Pasadena, Ontario, and Berea, California. Fort Lauderdale, Palm Beach, and Orlando, Florida. Chicago, St. Louis, Atlantic City, San Diego for the Comic-Con, and Louisville, Kentucky. We're coming your way, man. Come see a Smod Co. show. Tickets at csmod.com. That's S-E-E-S-M-O-D dot com. Now, if you can't come to one of our shows, you're like, what the fuck am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to support this two-bit operation? Well, how about you kick back in your home with some family and friends and loved ones and play Monopoly. Jay and Silent Bob strike back Monopoly. That's right, man. You can buy from jayandsilentbob.com, the home of the secret stash, right there online. A signed edition of uh, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back Monopoly. Me and Muse sign it, man. Jason Muse, Jay himself, me, Silent Bob. Uh, and the parts are real fun, man. They got a little cock knocker, a little fist, a little, uh, a little Suzanne, a little blunt mobile. It's crazy, man. Get your hands on it. You get drunk, get stoned, and play a round of Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back Monopoly. Available signed by me and Jason Muse at jayandsilentbob.com. Now... Here comes your Smodco podcast. Geek News Reviews. Commentary. Not just another podcast. On the Ordinary People Podcast. He works so hard, he burns the energy from inside. You're, you're telling me my man doesn't have to take a poop. Does, does he have a butthole? He does not have a butthole. Now here comes your host, Kyle A. Barrett of the World Steve. Welcome to the Big Ball Broadcast, episode 17, all the geeky news you can use. My name is Kyle Abair. I'm a voice actor here in L.A. I'm currently heard as Nimbus in Final Fantasy Type-0 on next-gen consoles, and Adult Gohan on Dragon Ball Xenoverse on current and next-gen consoles, and some redneck thug somewhere in the background that you have to shoot and kill and... Battlefield Hardline, so uh, howdy, folks. And your co-host on the East Coast, Otherworld Steve. I can currently be heard as your co-host on the Big Ball Broadcast, Otherworld Steve. And uh, we sit pretty on Smodcast.com, Smodco Internet Radio, heard twice a week. And we don't even have to blow anyone. Yet. (laughs) We're only only 17 episodes in. We don't know how this is going to happen going forward. That's true. But uh, this show is hotter than a Randy Quaid sex tape. Holy shit, dude. Did Did you see... That come across the social feed? I'm choking on your pun here. <laughs> no, no, I did not see that come across my uh, my social feed. Oh, Juice oh. man, that's so good that I even missed it. Damn, it came across all over the social. Oh, it's, it's still sticky. We were talking uh, right before we started recording, and I asked if you had seen the promotional picture for the gardens guardians of the galaxy porn parody i have not although i'm going to assume that it's probably very very well done because a lot of those superhero porn parodies they look like they spent money on the costumes yeah it's it's creepy as fuck i really don't know how else to describe it and and i discourage uh, not only you kyle but all the listeners don't go looking for the picture because it will scar you um and, and it is a not safe for work picture it's not safe for work because Rocket Raccoon is bearing her breasts. So I'm assuming it's a little person. I don't know how they, the PC word is. I know we don't say dwarfs or midgets. Um, uh, that's my assumption. But I will tell you that Groot is a giant dick and balls made out of <laughs> tree. And it's, uh, yeah, don't seek that out. I was going to say, is any sex scene with Groot pretty much like that, 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 tree rape scene from evil dead 
I know you probably haven't seen Evil Dead, but uh, I know what you're talking of... about. Yeah, yeah. My rock isn't that big that I live under. <laughs> you know of these things, you just haven't partaken of the visual uh, uh, accoutrements. Because I'm busy partaking in other things, I almost grabbed a list to read tonight about um, the the difference between watching certain movies high and watching them sober, but. Um, I can't speak much to watching them sober, so <laughs> we'll save that for another show. Dude, I remember when uh, in college, you know, the student union building, every Friday and Saturday night, they'd show movies, and then, of course, they'd have a midnight flick, too, and then they show Pink Floyd, The Wall. Everyone showed up completely baked, as if that's the only way you can watch that movie, right? And I guess just like watching the first 40 minutes of Wizard of Oz and listening to The Dark Side of the Moon or something. I have never watched The Wall sober. And I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> See, I watch it, and I just listen to the music, man. I, I've never touched anything in my life. I like the smell of weed. I think it should be legalized everywhere. I'm all for it. Uh, I just personally have not partaken of the wacky tobacco. But, man, uh, other than contact highs at, at concerts and whatnot, and I'm looking around, and everyone is watching this flick, and their eyes are just glazed over, and it doesn't matter what happens on screen. It looks like it's the most amazing thing they've ever seen. Everything kind of takes the, the look of heavy metal on, well, depending on the quality of your stash. But Okay, all right. So, I mean, maybe, maybe it could trump a Guardians of the Galaxy porn parody or a Randy Quaid sex tape. I'll tell you, you talk about some of these like really kick-ass superhero films we've had as of late. Um, the Avengers is on network TV. And I forget what network, network had it on. I think it was um, TBS. But they, they played it back-to-back-to-back to back to back this past Sunday. So I sat and watched it twice, although it had commercial interruptions. Um, I generally don't go to the movie theaters under the influence of anything because uh, part of partaking the, the paranoia also comes on as well. And I don't like being around a lot of people and feeling that paranoia, but sitting at home and partaking and watching Avengers, I, I got to say it was almost a better experience than the theatrical experience I had. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, you don't have to leave the house and you can get up and pee. And I mean, Nowadays, everyone with cable has a DVR function, so you can pause live TV anyway. There's really no downside. Well, I meant in terms of mental alteration. Oh, okay. All right. It's like you're willing to overlook the, the geeky lapses in logic and, and this, that, that, and just, just, just soak in the visuals. I had to take to Facebook Sunday night, and, and that's kind of the problem with watching a movie twice in a row back to back is sometimes things are just so fucking glaringly obvious and Avengers is it really is a hard movie to nitpick because I enjoyed the fuck out of it but there are just there are two things that continue to irk the fuck out of me and at BB Broadcast Kids please uh, tweet us and try to give me some answers to this but how does Stark hack all of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s computers and not find a shred of anything going on with the whole big Hydra reveal that happens in, in Captain America Winter Soldier <laughs> because reasons, man. And how the fuck does Captain America break into a secure room on the helicarrier without all kind of alarms going off? <laughs> I think any screenwriter will tell you that they hope you don't dig that deep. They hope that you're just chomping on the popcorn and just watching and just letting shit unfold. 
The one thing I do let go that a lot of people on, online refuse to let go is Captain America talking through the imaginary earpiece. He's putting his hand to his ear while he's communicating with Iron Man, and you look, and there's no earpiece in his ear, so I don't know how the fuck they're communicating. <laughs> Maybe they forgot to CG something in there. It's quite possible. Actually, I, I saw a really interesting article last night. I believe it was on Cracked. So if you kids want to go over to Cracked.com, uh, go back a few days because you're going to hear this later. But it was this um, beautiful article about things that you would have sworn were CG in films that were actually shot with practical effects. And I was kind of blown away with that. One of the examples was the first Thor movie. A lot of the landscapes you see um, for some of those big epic battles, those were filmed live in Iceland. It's, it's not CG backgrounds. Those are actually real natural backgrounds. So kudos. Well, yeah. I mean, these, these movie budgets, they, they got to spend that money somewhere, not just on the cast. In fact, I guess they're notorious, you know, Marvel and Disney for, for not paying a lot of money unless, you know, you're Robert Downey Jr. and whatnot. Hence the whole debacle with, with Terrence Howard and everything. But yeah, that kind of blows my mind how they don't just, just, Oh, just, just CG it. We don't have to location scout. We don't have to send a crew out there. You know, that, that, that's old school. And I like to see that that's making a comeback. Do you think their production budgets also have to tally in for giant piles of cocaine? Uh, I'm sure it did in the eighties. I mean, under uh, like all the big action movies under like Joel Silver and whatnot, I'm sure probably there's like the petty cash fund or something that they could just silently under the table. It's like you have all this nose candy delivered to so-and-so's trailer and and X number of hookers and and whatnot. And everyone goes, oh, I miss those days. Because I'm pretty sure it went down exactly how you just described. Actually, you may have reeled it back a little too much, but <laughs> yeah, I'm sure some of those production budgets were ballooned for some of those other expenses. Yeah, I'm looking at our chat room, which uh, goes live each and every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern and 6 p.m. Pacific when we record our new episodes of the Big Ball Broadcast at BB Broadcast on Twitter. Uh, Robert Jade in our text uh, chat went, uh, I was surprised when I noticed Scarlett Johansson's lazy eye in Avengers. I didn't know she had a lazy eye. The only thing I've noticed is that there's an old picture of Christopher Walken, and he looks like her, or she looks like him. And it's like, you know, for the longest time, I thought, man, ScarJo is, is so fucking hot, man. And then I like, holy shit, she looks like Christopher Walken. Am I attracted to Christopher Walken? That's crazy. I don't even understand. One thing I've noticed, because um, I know everybody loves my observations, um, those skin tight suits, the, the, the cat girl suit and, and ScarJo suit and Avengers, it does wonders for the ass. Holy shit. It's just pow in your face look at this ass perfection but the drawback is i think it really uh compresses the chest too much so you get this really beautiful shapely ass but destroyed breasts and no i'm not a sexist pig or anything i'm just a casual observer but uh they, they need to find a compromise to have the 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 boobs as pronounced as the ass <laughs> dude i'm just gonna go on record and just say i'm an ass man i appreciate a good pair but, you know, whether they're double A's or, or double D's or whatever, I don't care. It's nice. But that's, yeah, that's interesting because, yeah, I could, I could stare at ScarJo's ass. I don't really care about the cleavage so much. She's got two. I'm happy. See, I'm a boob man. I'm a straight up boob man. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they're, they're, they're fluffy pillows. They're fun. And, and okay, we're getting way off topic now. 
we're going to say, you know, a half hour in, we haven't even hit our first topic for the show. We haven't even done it yet, but I guess we'll tie it in, first of all, by talking about, you know, we're talking about Marvel shit. Uh, Fantastic Four, the reboot. Is it in trouble? What are all these rumors about shit going down behind the scenes? Director Josh Trank, who did the excellent film Chronicle, or as I call it, Low Budget Akira, uh, a couple years ago, uh, he has directed this new reboot for uh, Fantastic Four, and is on deck to direct uh, one of the Star Wars uh, f- uh, flicks, po- possibly the second spinoff flick, which we have some info on the first one in just a few minutes, so stay tuned for that. But uh, apparently, Josh Trank, uh, these are all rumors, unsubstantiated, but people close to production are saying that like this dude showed up on set high as a kite, chronically late, treating the crew like shit, and uh, supposedly trashed a house that was rented for him by the production company. Um, I mean, just by watching the trailer alone, I, I didn't think it was terrible, but I thought with, it, it met with a resounding meh. You know, I, I heard some of the, the talk about some of the, the problems going on in set. You actually had like key grips and cameramen who were taking the Twitter and they were saying, I can't believe what a fucked up troubled production this is. And this is before we even got the first trailer. There was a lot of talk about this thing is in trouble. I keep looking at it as the 1994 flick. And yes, I have seen that in its entirety. <laughs> I haven't seen a lot of really great mainstream good stuff, but I have seen the 1994 Fantastic Four. Um, and it's, it's that, that rush to hold on to the license. I think that, uh, even if this is a problem, even if it's ridiculous, they're buying time and, and another four or five years, you're going to see another Fantastic Four film. <clears throat> it is too bad. And it's too bad that the trailer did nothing to excite me. And it's kind of almost too bad. If you catch that last shot in the trailer, Ben Grimm isn't wearing any pants. <laughs> well, I mean, everyone is very, uh, it's understandable that everyone's cautious because we got those two god awful, f- uh, flicks from 20th Century Fox. And while they did mostly good shit with X-Men, they couldn't re, re, regenerate that magic for Fantastic Four, which as a superhero team has never really intrigued me or interested me at all. I got to say kudos to Disney because I was concerned at first where you have this character or, or this actor, should I say, that was introduced in the Fantastic Four films as the Human Torch. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, yeah, did you hear the Human Torch is going to be portraying Captain America? And I thought I was going to have a hard time distinguishing from the two. But the, the directing, the acting is so piss poor in the Fantastic Four films and certainly up to a much higher caliber with the Avengers and the Captain America films that I don't draw that comparison. I really I don't see that same actor in those roles. So I really have to appreciate Disney for that. Uh, and I appreciate good actors, you know, Ben Affleck, you know, you can shit on him all day for Daredevil, but the dude is an acclaimed actor, director, writer, and I'm sure he's going to bring something different to the table for Batman than, than anyone else. I'm not going to say it's going to be better, but it'll be different. I was having the same thought over here. I'm like, yeah, it's going to be different. Well, I don't know if it'll be good, but it'll, it'll be different. <laughs> But I have an open mind about it. But I do have this, this other tidbit really quick about another Marvel property debuting in just a matter of weeks on Netflix, Daredevil. Um, will he ever actually look like the Daredevil everyone knows? You know, the Red Devil costume with the horns and all that. And producer and showrunner Steve DeKnight says yes, eventually. Uh, but due to the uh, series real-world setting, 
you just don't want to have him parading around in, in, in that in that costume. We're going to lead up to it. So he starts off with the more Frank Miller inspired black mask tied in the back. Who you know you've heard us say it time and time again. He looks just like the Dread Pirate Roberts from Princess Bride. God damn it. Uh, costume designer Stephanie Maslansky says, you know, they're just needing to make, uh, these costumes out of, that, that anyone could buy on the street, or on the internet, or at an Army Navy store. So, so again, grounding that in reality, something that looks militaristic and functional, but also dramatic and sexy. I don't know if I'd go that far, because again, all I see is Wesley from Princess Bride, but. You know, I am excited to see what they what they bring to it. Uh, there was a new trailer that dropped recently. Um, you can see Kingpin in there. Uh, and then again, I, I'm excited about the distribution model, just like with, with Netflix. It drops a brand new series. You get the entire episode run on, on day one. And, you know, I, I was thinking about that. And I, I, we, I always listen to our podcasts once, once they're posted. Um, because sometimes for me, it's like listening to it for the first time. But anyways. Um, That's good, because I don't think anyone else is. But <laughs> <laughs> Come on, kids. Smartco. Um, Smartcast.com. Um, but I, uh, I was thinking about what you said about, yeah, it's great. You get that whole season. You, you can sit down and you can binge. But then what? And, and because there's such a big divide between the titles coming out on Netflix, I don't think we're going to see the next one until I think they said at the earliest, the end of this year, at the latest spring of next year. So you have the potential of going almost a year before Marvel slash Disney launches another series on Netflix. Yeah, and I mean, and and your options for watching TV shows, obviously, there's a bunch of bootleg sites out there and torrent files of this, that, and the other. But if you want to go legit. And you want to binge watch a TV show that's currently not on Netflix, but is on Hulu. I just, I just came across this because I wanted to catch up on Flash, right? And then I noticed, oh shit, it only has the past five episodes. And people on Twitter are like, yeah, that's kind of what they do. They don't do it with every show, but for the most part, yeah. So it's probably something in the contracts with the licensing and all that. They don't want to make it all available to you. And, you know, maybe a year from now or six months from now, you, you get the whole season on Netflix or whatnot. But for some people who are impatient and want to watch a show uh, in, in its current season, what a ripoff, man. I'm paying Hulu, you know, nine bucks a month, and I have to tolerate ads, and I don't even get the full season run unless I catch up with it on time in a timely fashion. Which, knowing you, is just not going to happen. No, it is not. So... You know, idiot me uh, went ahead and just bought a season pass on iTunes <laughs> to catch up with Flash. And, you know, speaking of Flash, I, I saw you had some interesting information having to do with a Flash of sorts. Oh, yes. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Flash Gordon. Oh, Flash. Uh-huh. Yeah, dude. That's like one of my favorite childhood movies. Flash Gordon from 1980. Oh my God. Uh, yeah. So I'm trying to remember off the top of my head that, uh, Sam Jones, who I don't think appeared in any other movie besides that, <laughs> I guess he, uh, he, he dropped some little, uh, tidbits that, uh, there's the possibility that a sequel, not a reboot, but a sequel to that 1980 film, the one with the, 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 the famous Queen song and the soundtrack and the crazy over the top acting and visuals. That we would actually see a sequel to that, and uh, I I would be really gung ho for that. And you know it is true. He uh, he promptly retired from acting after doing that film way back in 1980. Uh, from what I understand, he 
moved to Florida and became like a, a security consultant, kind of like um, armed security bodyguards, uh, things of that nature. As you do. Right. And, and <laughs> he's still – last time I saw him do an interview talking about Flash Gordon, he, he still looks pretty buff. He's, he's pretty ripped for an older gentleman. Yeah. Um, but the one thing I think you'll certainly agree with because, yeah, uh, Flash Gordon, that was a staple. That was a mainstay when we were growing up. And it was so over the top, so campy, so ridiculous, but it worked. There was just something about it where you you – I don't think it would be fair to kind of do a riff track of that movie because it is what it is. It stands on its own and it's just fucking glorious. I would love to see them keep that same level of campiness in the sequel and, and have whoever they can have come back, come back, especially the lead of the, the Hawkmen, the, the, yeah, it's, uh, Brian blessed. Yeah. I mean, fuck yeah. That would be just box office gold. Gordon's alive. <laughs> Who wants to live forever? And yes, kudos to Seth MacFarlane for directing Ted, which brought back Sam Jones and reenacting a scene on the rocket cycle <laughs> and brought Flash Gordon <laughs> into a whole new generation of people going, what the fuck is this shit? It, it was a cinematic masterpiece. I don't know if it can ever be duplicated. Oh, it's so good. I whip out the Blu-ray from time to time, and it's remastered beautifully, and you're just like, ah, this is great. Great music, great visuals, great acting. Max von Sydow, or Sydow, depending on your pronunciation, as Ming the Merciless, which is one of the great performances. Such good stuff. Uh, Timothy Dalton, before he was James Bond, uh, as Prince Baron. Good stuff. He was so fucking sexy. Yeah, yeah. Let's see. Nobody Ming's can. daughter was a hottie, and then oh, uh, Dale fuck. Arden. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and and you know they tried to reboot and bring up uh, and do a, a sci-fi series a couple years ago, and it completely failed. I mean, they had no budget. They just shot it more like real-world grounded shit, just here on Earth, shot in you know Vancouver or something, as everything fucking is nowadays. No offense, Vancouver, we do love you and we love Canada, but like all of Hollywood just marches there to shoot shows and movies on the cheap, and it, it just reeked of that, and not a good cheap like like the 1980 Flash Flash. Gordon version. What I think I appreciated the most about it, even as a kid, was that um, particularly when they get to Ming's planet, it's an entirely different world. The the sets and the the set dressing were just so beautiful. I mean, even if the acting and everything was was really campy, it, it was really something to watch. It, it was what I would certainly define as eye candy. Yeah, I call it Skittles diarrhea. Uh, yeah, I, I could liken it to that, absolutely. But Skittles Diarrhea is beautiful. Yeah, it, it truly is. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, the Flash Gordon thing, that was uh, originally some pulp comics that was first adapted into cliffhanger serials in the 30s and 40s. You've got uh, some scoop for uh, other uh, comic book companies bringing characters to the big screen. And this one is... I want to say it's just plain weird, but I guess it's kind of to be expected. So basically, if you're the type of person that's already burned out on the the superhero films, well, first of all, what are you doing listening to a geek podcast? But secondly, seriously, um, Valiant, Valiant Comics. Um, I, I got to kind of digress for a minute here, Kyle. Um, during its heyday, were you a fan of Valiant? Did you go out and purchase Valiant titles? Did you follow any Valiant series? I remember in the 90s and as they were la- launching like Exo Man of War and, and all sorts of shit and it, none of it caught my eye. It just looked like, 
And it probably was just trying to like do a, a Silver Age sort of tribute to like really old school type uh, stories and plot lines. It just didn't grab me. No, me neither. And um, I did have some friends that were very uh, diehard Valiant. So more so that they even kind of said are shrugging Marvel and DC. And, and you got to keep in mind, this is three or four years before Image Comics launched. So they were kind of the first big competitor against Marvel and DC for the for comic business. But anyways, I uh, digress. Um, so Valiant has signed this tremendous big budget deal to start bringing their properties, um, potentially not just with uh, movies, with, with the, the big theatrical deals, but perhaps television, perhaps uh, some animation. And some of the titles you brought up, uh, you know, Bloodshot, Shadow Man, Archer and Armstrong, they're not characters I'm too, too familiar with, but I guess in a nutshell, um, there's going to be a lot more superhero shit coming out for better or for worse. <laughs> and it probably is for worse because everyone got sick of, of vampires. Everyone got sick of, of, uh, God, even sci-fi because everything seems derivative of Star Wars or Star Trek. Everything else that tries to do something ori- uh, original. Still is under the microscope of going, well, this is, this is ripped off from this source and this source and that source, which you could argue that any movie, there are no original stories anymore. Just, you know, change the names and, um, and suddenly Shakespeare has a new audience. So this is coming to the, to us courtesy of, uh, DMG Entertainment. They're based in Beijing and I guess they're a leader in global entertainment. And again, it's going to be television, publishing, licensing, all kinds of different things with all these valiant characters. Mm, my only concern, I, I feel bad. I feel like every, every podcast, it seems I'm just shitting on everything new and only uh, holding my nostalgic childhood close to my breast. But um, I don't think they're going to have the kind of budget Warner Brothers and Disney has. And I think, you know, that was the problem with anime when the bubble burst was you had a lot of good stuff out there but it was quickly followed up by a lot of shit there was just a lot of stuff whatever companies could get their hands on to license do a quick turnaround and get it out and it it really oversaturated the market and it, it felt like it cheapened the market and i think it has to potentially go this way because valiant has a multitude of superheroes and they're going to try to get whoever they can get out in whatever formats they can get out so it's not just oversaturation, but I think once people start seeing some really cheap, cheesy B-movie superhero films, the whole genre just might kind of get a black eye from that. Not just superheroes, but anti-heroes. Vigilantes, you know, you've had the, the Punisher in, in different iterations. Uh, you, you had uh, the indie underground cult hit The Crow uh, made a huge splash, uh, mainly probably because of the unfortunate death of Brandon Lee while filming the movie, and then it came out, and I remember loving the film. I thought the movie was awesome. It had a cool soundtrack, great visuals, and, and but it wasn't totally faithful to the original source material by James O'Barr, who has been very vocal and, and still on the convention circuit and, and, and helping keep that franchise, if you want to call it that, alive, this whole notion of people coming back from the dead and, and going after their, 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 their murderers, their killers, and, and, and whatnot. And, you know, you even had a, a fucking TV series of The Crow. Not only did you have dismal sequels that got worse and worse with each one, but you even had a TV series. 
And you think that would just be the nail in the coffin, but it's not. It looks like James O'Barr is talking again. And um, what are we going to see this time? Uh, this time we're going to see that Boardwalk Empire actor Jack Hudson is going to be the next Crow. Um I just kind of like a moment of silence for that property there because I don't know. I mean, I, I guess the first one was okay. I'm, I'm not a crow fan. I never read the books and, and the first movie was all right. As you said, it was followed up by like really, really uh, crappy sequels that really, really, really just destroyed any chance with me. Um, I don't know if they're trying to shoehorn, shoehorn him into the whole superhero thing or, or the, the comic thing. But I didn't ask for this, and I don't know. I just I, I apologize for being that downer, but there's just nothing redeeming to this announcement. No, no, there, there, there's not. I mean, honestly, that story of the crow, whether you've read the the, the comic or watched the movie in the 1994, that uh, Disney's subdivision of uh, at the time, I guess uh, the Harvey Weinstein at the time, I guess Miramax. Uh, they put out, it did really well. If you guys remember, the story is pretty final. I mean, yeah, it comes back from the dead, kills all the killers. And then, you know, the ghost is avenged, you know, his wife was, was raped and murdered and he comes back from the dead and this crow is kind of going around with him and then everyone's killed and then ta-da, you know, end of story. And then where do they go with sequels? Well, they have someone else who got killed unjustifiably and then they take out a revenge story and say i don't know how interesting that is to keep retelling not for a property that started theatrically in 1994 you know it's been over two decades and they're still trying to make it into something that i don't think it is and and this thing's been plagued with issues you know i guess initially uh you had luke evans who was cast to play the part and then he left and then uh, sam witwer was supposed to come in and star and then he left and now you've got uh, Jack Jack uh, um, Huston H U S T O N. Who knows? This, this dude might decide a month from now. Fuck this! This, this is ridiculous and, and leave too. So um, it, it's something that seems to already be plagued with issues. So again, I don't have the highest hopes for what's going to come out of this. Yeah, they've talked about this for as long as they've talked about reboots for as, as, uh, Escape from New York, uh, the Mad Max, which we are actually getting. Uh, a part four with a re, but it is a reboot because you don't have Mel Gibson in it. You got, you know, Tom, what's his face? Tom, yeah, that guy, Bane. Uh, <laughs> um, but if we, if we, if we look at, at these different things, you know, sometimes the franchises, they, you think they should die and they don't. And then sometimes you think, okay, maybe it's a good thing. Maybe we do want more of this. Something that I think, the fans, especially in the anime world, are really, really excited about is Dragon Ball Z. It's a show that uh, got a lot of people started into it. I'm a voice actor from that original series, uh, the Funimation dub, not the original Canadian one. Um, but uh, you've had a successful series of video games. The DVDs, the Blu-rays keep selling like hotcakes. Last year, Battle of Gods did great uh, in North America cinematically i mean a theatrical take of you know several million dollars which for a limited release anime film pretty damn impressive it did well enough in japan and here to basically green light the production of more movies which is more lucrative for the makers toye and and whatnot so um now you have this new movie so if you know dbz lore 
Frieza is back, and the English name for the for this film is Dragon Ball Z Resurrection F. It's been picked up for video on demand and broadcast rights by Funimation, of course, who have held the rights for many years, with an English dub. Yay! I have work coming uh, to debut this summer. So there you go. If if you need to know the plot, Frieza's back. That's all you got to know. I, for the most part, because of course, you know, I'm an asshole. For the most part, I love what Toriyama is doing. And what Toriyama is doing is he's reckoning, uh, I can't even say the fucking word, but he's, he's making it so a lot of shit that happens in GT doesn't happen. Although, you know, a lot of fans acknowledge GT isn't canon. You have some people that for some reason want to argue that GT is canon. And Toriyama is doing everything possible to distance everything that happens in GT by putting a different setup with these these last couple films that have come out. Battle of the Gods was interesting. I still want to tape up my giant blog post of everything I can nitpick about it because there's so much about that movie that drives me fucking nuts. But all I need to see is that opening splash screen that says that Toriyama had something to do with it, and, and I'm excited. I'm like, okay, this is canon from the creator. Uh, it doesn't really matter if I can nitpick it. it. It is what it is. And I thought it was weird to bring Frieza back because I'm trying to think how Frieza could possibly be a threat at this point because Gohan, looking at him, uh, he looks like maybe he's just out of high school. Maybe, I don't know. 18, 19, pushing it at 20. So how this could possibly be a threat to Earth, I don't get it. But uh, yeah, I'm excited for... I I, I posted the trailer to your Facebook wall, the second trailer, because of what appears to be kind of like a Super Saiyan Frieza, as weird as that sounds. I'm curious enough where I want to check it out. And again, as much shit as I talk about Battle of Gods... I've probably watched it at least a dozen times now. <laughs> That's like everyone's being like Star Wars harshest critic, but then like you buy every DVD, you watch it a million times, and then you talk shit about it. But, you know, in the end, they got your money. It's the Nickelback thing. How the fuck does Nickelback have platinum albums if everybody hates Nickelback? That's very true. But s- someone is buying it, and someone will admit, maybe under extreme duress, We'll finally admit that, uh, yeah, oh, God, that that's painful to think of. I think it also brings some interesting things to the table for the video games. Um, you and I, again, were talking before we started recording um, Dragon Ball Universe. I haven't picked it up yet. I'm not impressed. I'm not impressed by what I've seen. I, I kind of like the way they're taking the story with the, the time twist. But it's just, it's another Dragon Ball Z game. Another, oh my god, here's Raditz, Piccolo, and, and, and Goku better team up and defeat him. And oh, there, there goes Goku with a hole in his chest. Um, but I do like, you know, Lord Bills is in it. I do like Super Saiyan God. I like that they did bring those things. And if there's cool shit that happens in this new movie, maybe they'll bring that into the video game, uh, universe too, because I have just about every single Dragon Ball Z game that's ever been released. And Battle of the Gods is kind of the first one I haven't rushed to... I'm not Battle of the Gods. Um, Dragon Ball Xenoverse is kind of the first one I haven't rushed to pick up. So I want a reason to get reinvigorated in the, the Z gaming universe. <laughs> you could go back and see those ones from uh, PlayStation, so, like Final Bout and all that. You're going to say that <laughs> those are better? <laughs> I have Final Bout. I have Ultimate 22. I, I've got all those crappy games. Um, no, I mean, sagas. Sagas, man. Sagas. You know, you know what's sad about Sagas is uh, back in the day when I was 
writing for anime magazines, I, I got um, promotional material from time to time. I had purchased Sagas for the PS2, and they sent me, I believe it's the uh, GameCube version. And it's like, oh my god, you took a shitty game and put it on a shittier console. How the fuck am I supposed to play this? It's still in the shrink wrap to this day. It's still in the cellophane. Never cracked open. <laughs> yeah, just take it to GameStop, man. You'll get like negative 32 cents for it. We'll have a fun contest on the podcast. If you want to win another World Steve's GameCube copy of Sagas unopened, then shame on you if you want to win that. <laughs> Maybe we should have some sort of charity raffle or something. That, that's beautiful. You know, we'll, we'll follow up next episode with details. I will put this fucker up on eBay, and 100% of the proceeds will go to charity. There you go. There you go. We're, we're looking for any way to dodge taxes, so... <laughs> No, but I mean, charities are a beautiful thing, you know? And, and charities, yeah, absolutely. Let's help the children. Let's help the community. Let's do this. Yeah, real brief follow-up um, with with uh, the the uh, book drive that me and my lodge um, were doing for a public school here who didn't have books for the library. Over this past weekend, we finished purchasing the remainder of our initial 1,000 book donation to the school. So, yeah, I do care about the children's. That's good. We do care, people. This is the Big Bald Broadcast. We're not totally out for ourselves, just mostly. Mostly. I'll, I'll tell you what I care more about than the children, and that's Star Wars. <laughs> Yay, Star Wars. Dude, I have to, I have to, I have to interrupt you. I know no, no, you're going to bring this the, the, the story about the standalone film, which if people don't know that this is exciting news, but my latest addiction is this free Tops trading card app. That uh, you have credits, and yeah, it has in-app purchases where you could buy credits to buy virtual trading cards. It's it it, it like totally reinvigorated my my collector self in trading cards. You know, they make only so many, so when you download them, sometimes the packs are sold out, and then you sit there and you trade back and forth. There's like a uh, one tab, uh, people can just post what they're looking for. Uh, it's got its own little social network, not really for chatting per se, but for doing trades. Um, so I've reached out and, and been able to take, you know, the gazillion of duplicate cards I get and able to, to, to trade those out and get some of the rarer ones and vice versa, this, that, and the other. I think Tops has really gone on to something. It's like, how come this hasn't happened sooner? Some of the, backlash unfortunately i've read online about a lot of fans response to this is part of card collecting is that nostalgia it's it was tactile you held it in your hands shit some of us put them in our bike spokes and made noise as we rode up and down the street and destroyed these cards that are worth so much now but anyways um I get that. I get that part of us being tangible, but we've moved away from tangible with music and we're moving away from tangible with movies where you can stream everything and, and whatnot and download it. I don't see why not. You know, this is one thing I'll actually get behind and it's tops. You, you can't fucking beat tops when it comes to card collecting. They are the masters. They've been the masters, you know, since the early 1900s when they were originally putting out those original baseball cards. Um, so I think it's awesome. My biggest fuck you, the fuck you that I got when I looked into this, was that it's Apple only. And that is, I think, really a slap in the face because we've talked before about market saturation, that Android's out there, and it's probably about 64% of the market, which only gives, you know, Apple about a 36% share. But all of a sudden, oh, yeah, we're going to do this fucking awesome thing. We're going to team up with Disney and team up with Tops and put out the fucking 
not only the the classic card sets, but cards from the new episode seven, and, and like you said, these premium cards and these low run cards. I can't participate, and that fucking pisses me off. Yeah, that does. That's that's often been a thing, and I I'm not gonna sit here and be one of those Apple fanboys that shits on Android just because I'm I'm into Apple. I believe in fair play, man. I don't want a monopoly. I think that people, uh, that all audiences need to be served. And I think if they're going to launch this app and they say they don't have the Android version ready yet or whatnot, why don't they fucking just wait and, and do it? Because you're going to have this kind of backlash. There, there are so many Android users. And even to a smaller degree, let's admit it, there's some Windows users out there. There's BlackBerry users. And yeah, to, to spend money on, on research and development to, to, to create apps for, for all that stuff. I don't know the numbers. I can't do number crunching and all that. But I say, like, just market something for everybody so that everyone has a chance to enjoy this. My favorite Star Wars uh, card set, hands down, and I'm sure you remember this, and a smirk will crawl across your face, the Empire Strikes Back jumbo cards. Oh, God, yeah. Those, I think those are the best done Star Wars cards ever, like in the history of Star Wars cards. And I gotta admit, with all the Star Wars news and, you know, th- there's what, 20 titles coming out that are canon, um, it, with books and, and comics to help usher people into this new, uh, Star Wars universe with episodes seven coming. I've been having Star Wars on my mind a lot. And I've been thinking about going to eBay and buying that set because that was such a strong part of my childhood and that nostalgia. And then I saw the Tops app and I was like, holy fuck. At some point, I might st- still be able to get these cards. And regardless if they're on my phone, I just want to look at those pictures and, and read the backs. And that was, you know, such a part of my childhood. And then, nope, sorry, fuck you. You're an Android user. Oh, yeah, that, that, that's evil. So, uh, Tops. Hire someone who can, who can make an Android app. I know there's someone out there who can. And I know that people say supposedly it's harder to develop Android apps than iOS. I don't know. But, you know, you have the open source thing. You don't have to, to, to answer to Apple's, you know, laundry list of, well, it has to be this. It has to be that. All these demands and standards and whatnot. At least open source for the, for the Google side of it, right? And for me, you know, in 2011, I was an app developer and I've been tinkering with the idea and I've been checking out some different uh, software to streamline things. So I might be releasing some apps at some point this year. Some of them will be specific to some other things in my life and some of them hopefully will be a little bit more entertainment, maybe a, a big ball broadcast app sometime in the future. But what's interesting about developing, there's two different things. And the first is if you want to be a developer for Android, it's a $25 fee to Google and it's a one-time fee. Once you pay the 25 bucks, Google doesn't ask you for any more money. Yeah, I think there's a part of percentage share when you sell apps. But in terms of just the development side, it's a $25 one-time fee. I also, uh, in 2011, was a developer for Apple. And Apple wants $100 a year. So it's kind of like, you know, fuck you because I'm just kind of getting my feet wet and I'm releasing free apps. And you, you're demanding $100 annually. And uh, I kind of have a hard time for that. The other thing, too, is... When you develop a native Android app, it automatically can be converted to an iOS app. There's there's no work that has to be done. You don't have to do a conversion as the programmer. You can bundle it and make it as an iOS app. Like you said, it, it seems a lot more difficult to do it the other way around. If you develop an iOS app, there's some like backwards compatibility and shit you got to build into that. So I don't know why people just aren't building everything native Android and then porting them over to iOS. That sounds like a, an awesome idea. That sounds really good. Okay, so 
Uh, Star Wars standalone film. It was teased, and we, we talked about this on previous episodes, how Gareth Edwards, the director of the Godzilla reboot from last year, is, is tied and poised to direct that. We got news for Episode Eight. What is the scoop on that, sir? This is a pretty big announcement, uh, so much so that it was announced at the Palace of Fine Arts in San Francisco, which happens to be right across the street from Lucasfilm. Uh, Disney chairman and CEO Bob Iger brought us actually two big pieces of news, and the first was um, the standalone movie, which is now titled Rogue One, which is certainly a throwback if you remember episode four with the Rogue Squadron, and I know there was some other stuff that's not considered canon now, but there was a lot of Rogue Squadron stuff out there. Um so Rogue One is going to be, as you mentioned, directed by Gareth Edwards, and it's going to be written by Oscar nominee Chris Weitz, I'm assuming, uh, from Cinderella, About a Boy and Ants, and it's going to star Felicity Jones, and it's going to be very badass. And we're looking at a release date of December 16th, 2016. And then the other news was about Star Wars Episode Eight. We don't have a title. We don't really have much <laughs> in that regards. We know that uh, Ryan Johnson's going to write in direct. What I love the fuck out of this press release for is this film's being released in May. It's being released May 26, 2017, which happens to be 40 years in one day from the release of Star Wars Episode Four. I'm just, I don't know what it is about it. There's something that makes me so happy to have a May release Star Wars film. That's the way it's always been. A little disappointed about a December release uh, this year for uh, Force Awakens. Next year, should I say, not this year. But it's really great to see it go back onto the, the May timeline of things. Yeah, that I don't know what, I mean, all the behind-the-scenes politics of, of different people getting shuffled around, the Toy Story 3 screenwriter first being attached and then bringing on uh, Lawrence Kasdan, who, who helped write the screenplay for Empire, which, of course, is arguably the greatest Star Wars film there is. So bringing back the old school, back for the new school, and all that. And then, you know, they look at production deadlines and look like, you know, the production's going to suffer if we put this out in May. Let's bump it to December. I can only hope that in the hands of J.J. Abrams, we're going to get something that's worth the wait. And I've got a really, really good feeling about it. I just know that it's, it just has to be better than the prequels. It just has to. And that's exactly what's screaming through my mind. Shit, if it's better than The Phantom Menace, I'll be happy. Um, Attack of the Clones was a bad film. <laughs> Absolutely. But I think, you know, episode three, it had some redeeming moments. And at least we get to see some things we speculated and, and fantasized about as kids about, well, how does this all go down? So at least there was that. Um, I, I don't think Abrams can fuck it up that bad. No. And I, I also heard maybe, I don't know if you have any scoop on this, that John Williams is not going to be doing the score for Rogue One. And you know what? I guess I'm okay with that. If it's standalone films, let, let them do what they want to do with them. They don't necessarily have – everything doesn't have to interlock. Everything doesn't have to be a piece in a puzzle. So they can go pretty fucking off the wall for it. They can have Rob Zombie score, and I think it could still be a pretty kick-ass film. <laughs> I, hell, I'd go see it. I like Rob Zombie. Uh, <laughs> it, it's like, it sounds like an interesting experiment to not just explore – character backgrounds and side stories, but also to do, you know, different styles of filmmaking that probably wouldn't necessarily work within, you know, the rigid, 
you know, format of a trilogy. You know, it seems too divergent, too, too out there or, or experimental. You know, it, our, my appetite was, was totally wet with, uh, when, when they were developing and now they've scrapped it since Disney bought them, but they were going to make this dark, mature themed video game, right? Uh, it's set in the Star Wars universe. And then that got scrapped, and it's like, oh, that was really intriguing. That would have been cool to see something mature-themed for us folks who are, are, are older now and then still have Star Wars still maintain its its mainstream appeal, too. I think because of the establishment of the universe, you could certainly do a ton of different takes on Star Wars films. I, I could imagine a, a dark and gritty noir film. I could imagine like a buddy cop comedy film. You know, you could do that either with the empire or with rebels or whatever. I think you could do some really wacky shit and they've already done some really wacky shit, but I, I think it's really no holds bars, particularly when it comes to the standalone films. One thing I want to come back to uh, kind of briefly, it may be a rumor. I, I think it's, leaning a lot harder towards fact and that is we're going to see the next trailer for star wars episode seven attached to avengers age of ultron which would make sense both being disney properties again ironic that avengers comes out in may why not tease a star wars uh film for may and this trailer will show us mark hamill um harrison ford and carrie fisher yeah and may 1st man i got my tickets for age of ultron I got them. I got to see it on opening night. So they got some 7 p.m. screenings on the Thursday, on April 30th. I'm going to be there. I'm so psyched. And it's and even if there were no Star Wars trailer, that that that's pure bonus. And I, what I'm really happy about is the theater I'm going to uh, has reserved seating. So no more standing in line for six or eight hours. And I understand that for some people that that's what it is about. You know, the pop culture experience and and talking to strangers in line and all that shit. I'm going to be 46 this June. I ain't got no time for that. I just want to go watch my fucking movie and go home. I'll probably be in line for a good couple hours. I, fortunately, I don't live in a booming metropolis, so it's not too, too bad. Um, what's interesting about attaching the Star Wars trailer to Avengers is I don't think people are going to show up, watch the trailer, and leave. I mean, it's fucking Avengers. Of course you're going to stick around and watch that. Oh, exactly. Totally, totally. I mean, you could show a trailer to... You know, Smurfs 3, it doesn't matter. People are glued to their seats. They're going to be there. Uh, speaking about uh, different things that people don't want to get out and do is is maybe taking advantage of these new alternatives to cable television. Um, I just downloaded this week from Xbox One Sling TV. Now, we talked about this a couple episodes ago uh, where this is an alternative. It's, uh, internet based, uh, programming of, of, of live streaming TV networks. So for, uh, you get a free seven day, uh, free trial. After that, you're charged, uh, $20 a month is your basic package. You get ESPN one and two, AMC, Food Network, uh, you get El Rey, IFC, TNT, CNN, Disney Channel, Cartoon Network, ABC Family, and then there's additional packages for $5 a month. You got another kid one, uh, you have some more sports channels, you have, uh, an Epics one that has Epics, Epics 2, Epics 3, Drive In, and Sundance TV. And then lastly, if you're a news fanatic, uh, there's a package just for that for, you know, $5 more. Uh, a month. So you can kind of have that a la carte thing going on. I downloaded it. I was all excited. I signed up. And even though I have broadband connection pumping in through my Xbox One, 
I, I just chose to just put it on, see what's on AMC right now. And then it did the buffering thing. And then there it was all pixelated and standard deaf looking. And it's like, well, this is, this is kind of sucky. All right. Now I guess this, you get what, what you pay for. For 20 bucks a month, you're going to get, you know, subpar video quality. Uh, it's also for iOS and Android, uh, phones and, and tablets and desktop. So, this is an interesting new way. Uh, I don't know if it's going to make a lot of people just abandon their cable plans. I've been without cable for two years now. I'm just now intrigued because of the low cost, but I'm also seeing, at least in this initial run, what the, what the uh, compromises are. Well, according to the Wall Street Journal, what you're dealing with now is just kind of the tip of the iceberg. Tell me how this sounds to you. Uh, Wall Street Journal's reporting that Apple's working on the ultimate cord cutter device. Now, of course, this is, um, part and parcel with Apple TV. Again, fuck you, Android people. Um, but <laughs> Apple's gonna be launching a, a streaming TV package featuring many of the big name broadcasters. Um, Wall Street Journal is reporting that ABC, CBS, and Fox have all signed up as partners. So you get most of the big channels, and this actually even includes ESPN. And it would be available, guesstimation from Wall Street Journal is about $30 to $40 a month for 25 channels. Now, naturally, NBC is missing from this lineup, which also includes USA and Bravo, because they're owned by Comcast. And, you know, surprise, they've already had falling falling out over uh, TV streaming and pricing. So... You know, it, it seems like this is going to happen. Apple just again announced their standalone streaming for HBO with Apple devices. So it sounds like for, you know, again, 30, 40 bucks a month, you get most of the major networks. Um, not a lot of those other paid networks like Showtime and, and HBO, but, um, in, in terms of broadcast television, 30, 40 bucks a month. If this is something that was compatible with my shit, I, I, probably say yeah because 30 to 40 bucks compared to what the fuck i pay for cable that's just it's a no-brainer yeah i mean there are all these apps now that you have to just enter your your cable login info to be able to access it and i'm like well what's the point wouldn't i just turn on my cable and watch tv at that point why am i gonna fire up an alternative device like a roku or uh which you can have uh steve if you, if you want to access a lot of a lot of content as an android user anyway and then there's Chromecast, of course, a little cheap plug-in device. Uh, Apple recently did uh, uh, lower the price of their Apple TV units to just $69 as opposed to 99 And a lot of people are saying that this is pointing to an evolution in the next step for Apple TV, even as far as uh, possibly even the development of an actual television set, uh, a whole hub for everything like that. You know, for 30 40 bucks a month, if I'm going to get HD quality stuff, as I am now, uh, again, I, I subscribe to season passes for Walking Dead and Flash and all that, and everything looks crystal clear, 1080p, perfect, perfect quality. Uh, for 30, 40 bucks a month, that's still way cheaper than your average cable bill. Um, I'd probably bail on Sling TV because as, as I was saying before, the quality just is not there. Chromecast isn't bad. But it, you're dealing with whatever the, the programming was 
available in whatever whatever that native formatting is so if you start with something shitty then of course when you blow it up on a big screen it's going to look even shittier i have a, a co-worker at work who brings his crumb stick in and plugs it into the tv and you can stream from your phone your tablet your laptop whatever you have um again this apple thing it doesn't sound like a, a really bad deal as i've said like network television wise my only real guilty pleasure is big bang theory and cbs is included with this so uh, I'm, I'm thinking I, I don't want to convert over to Apple. There's too many reasons not to go Apple. <laughs> I like being able to change my phone's battery. I like being able to swap out to a bigger SD card. I like using my phone as a giant USB stick and I can have all kind of programs and files on there and just tether it to a computer and, and upload and download at will. So there's too many of those luxuries I wouldn't want to give up. But um, I'll tell you, again, compared to the, the cost of cable nowadays, it makes it really appealing. Yeah, indeed. Um, uh, other other big announcements. Uh, I'm so glad we do this. Like you were saying last week, that Tuesday is the perfect night to record our shows because shit goes down on Monday and Tuesdays. And it's like, we have no show. And then all of a sudden, we have a show. Um, Nintendo, they announced two big things. First of all, the one that I'm interested in, the fact that they're finally going to bring new games to uh, mobile devices. We're talking smartphones and tablets, not just developing for 3DS anymore. And they've got a new console in development, codenamed NX, to make up, obviously, for the disappointing Wii U, which I never got, uh, have no interest in whatsoever. Um, the indications that uh, the, 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 the stuff for the smartphones and tablets are are not going to just merely be ports. Uh, of games for you know the past 20 30 years that you get on the eShop from 3DS these are going to be brand new sorts of games and what's interesting is you know, Nintendo's teaming up with DNA and if you go over to the the iTunes App Store or you go over to the Google Play Store and look at what type of games they they published you're going to get a, a a really good idea right away first of all they published some very popular games and they have a lot of uh, big-name franchises like Transformers, and, and the list goes on and on and on. Um, what DNA Games does, and what's a good indication of what's going to be happening with the Nintendo properties, is they're all free games. And that's one thing that is, I guess, kind of commendable to DNA, is that everything they've released is free. Now, naturally, you have in-app purchases, and that's at your discretion if you want to make those purchases or not. And as you mentioned, they're going to be all original, all unique games using Nintendo's characters. None of them are going to be ports. They still rely too heavily on the DS. So as long as Nintendo's making DS systems, they're still going to be making portable games for that. And um, we've been saying for years, uh, probably for a solid decade, when is Nintendo finally going to start licensing out some of the characters and getting some games out on, on the mobile devices so as long as you don't go crazy with internet purchases i don't really see how this could fail for nintendo for dna for the consumer unless those games just don't have the appeal or the quality that we're used to in nintendo games well i'm sure there's a segment of of of, of tablet and cell phone owners that like games but they don't want to shell out anymore because they've already paid too much for their smartphone and their and their and their tablets. They, they don't want they don't want to get a 3ds. They don't want to get a Wii U or or whatnot. But but they are still intrigued. It's like I'll play a Mario or a Pokemon game, sure. And like suddenly this opens up 
a whole new audience. And I don't think it's it's not necessarily going to cannibalize sales of their other business model. No, and this is a model that's open to both Android and iOS users. So for the first time this podcast, I can't bitch about only being exclusive to Apple. So from launch day, I can also download these Nintendo titles and play them too. Yeah, exclusivity is a sign of greed. I mean, it, it only it only benefits the person who it's exclusive to. Uh, you know, just like with the HBO Go working with Apple TV exclusively, it's like what about what about the Android people that want Game of Thrones on their Android devices? Oh well, fuck you. Um, yeah, I don't I don't like that exclusivity thing unless you happen to be the beneficiary of that exclusivity. But it's nice that you're very diplomatic about it because even though you're an Apple fan, but I mean uh, an Apple customer, if you want to call it that, um, you know that there's a big segment of the population that's getting the shaft as well. Yeah, yeah. And uh, according to our chat room here, Alan S. says actually HBO Now is a timed exclusive on Apple TV. Okay, that's good. At least, you know, you don't want to totally shut out forever just because for the sake of reaching just one segment of your audience. So that's good. I don't think HBO would sign on to that kind of thing if it were just like, it'll always be just for Apple TV, right? Like, uh, no. <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure the same goes for this this deal we just talked about with the, the Apple TV with CBS and ABC and, and whatever. I'm sure uh, at some point it's going to be available to a broader market. My concern is that might be a year, year and a half, two years from now. And uh, I'm missing out on too much. That's, that's another year and a half, two years of me paying the cable bill. Yeah. Oh, thanks, Alan S., for actually linking to the article. He does his research. It's like we got our own people doing our homework for us. That's not, IGN says uh, the exclusivity for HBO now on Apple TV is for three months. It's like, all right, that's a drop in the bucket. That's not bad. No, that's not too bad. Yeah. All right. I'm, well, I'm, 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 I'm sorry. I was wondering if the if Apple's the one brokering these further deals with Google now. <laughs> They're taking the network. <laughs> oh, do you want a piece of this? That'll only be you know one point three trillion dollars. <laughs> oh, money, money, money. Speaking of money, we're not making any money, but we are very thankful that you listen to the Big Ball Broadcast. Check out our archive of episodes on Smodcast.com. Big shout out to Alan S., John LaPiana, VO, Robert J., Badger King, Nick P., uh, and everyone else who comes into our chat room on Tuesday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern and 6 p.m. Pacific. And uh, whether you hear us live on the Smodco Internet Radio stream or catch us on demand through iTunes or your favorite podcatcher or Stitcher Radio uh, or whatnot, Thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of our hearts. We're just a couple of geeky guys who just love talking shit about the geeky world and pop culture and tech and all that cool stuff. We're glad you're on the journey with us. Until next time, this is Kyle Abair. And this is Otherworld Steve. See ya! Special thanks to Will Wilkins and Jason Peer. Music provided by iShine, Perimeter of the Void, and Zero Reynolds. Follow us on Twitter at BB Broadcast and email the Big Bulb Broadcast at gmail.com. This has been a production of Smodco Internet Radio. Sir, only at smodcast.com.